Welcome to day number 14 of the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake Farley, and as always, we'll be reading out of the NLT, the New Living Translation, starting in chapter 30, verse 1. When Rachel saw that she wasn't having any children for Jacob, she became jealous of her sister. She pleaded with Jacob, Give me children or I'll die. Then Jacob became furious with Rachel. Am I God, he asked. He is the one who's kept you from having children. Then Rachel told him, Take my maid, Billah, and sleep with her. She will bear children for me. And through her, I can have a family too. So we see Jacob making a very familiar mistake in um, the book of Genesis, as we've already seen. Instead of being... um, faith-filled and waiting on God to fulfill the promise as God said he would, um, Rachel and Jacob take things into their own hands, just as Abraham did, uh, which didn't work out too well for Abraham, and I don't think it's going to work out too well for Jacob. So let's keep reading along. Verse 5, Billah became pregnant and presented him with a son. Rachel named him Dan, for she said, God has vindicated me. He has heard my request and given me a son. Then Billah became pregnant again and gave Jacob a second son. Rachel named him Nephtali, for she said, I have struggled hard with my sister, and I am winning. Meanwhile, Leah realized that she wasn't getting pregnant anymore, so she took her servant Zilpha and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Let's pause here. Jacob's in a lot of trouble. He is now up to four wives, uh, which it's hard enough to keep one wife happy, and he's trying to do it with four. Just not a good idea. Verse 10. Soon Zilpha presented him with a son. Leah named him Gad, for she said, How fortunate I am. Then Zilpha gave Jacob a second son, verse 13. And Leah named him Asher, for she said, What joy is mine? Now the other women will celebrate with me. One day during the wheat harvest, Reuben found some mandrakes growing in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Rachel begged Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. Evidently those mandrakes were to die for. Verse 15. But Leah angrily replied, Wasn't it enough that you stole my husband? Ooh, shots fired. Now will you steal my son's mandrakes too? I love this. Rachel answered, I will let Jacob sleep with you tonight if you give me some of the mandrakes. Oh my gosh. This is a mess. Verse 16. So that evening, as Jacob was coming home from the fields and Leah out to meet him, You must come and sleep with me tonight, she said. I have paid for you with some mandrakes that my son found. So that night he slept with Leah. And God answered Leah's prayers. She became pregnant again and gave birth to a fifth son for Jacob. She named him Issachar, for she said, God has rewarded me for giving me my servant to my husband as a wife. Then Leah became pregnant again and gave birth to a sixth son for Jacob. She named him Zebulun, for she said, God has given me a good reward. Now my husband will treat me with respect, for I have given him six sons. Later she gave birth to a daughter and named her Dina. Then God remembered Rachel's plight and answered her prayers by enabling her to have children. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. God has removed my disgrace, she said, and she named him Joseph. For she said, May the Lord add yet another son to my family. Soon after Rachel had given birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Please release me so I can go home to my own country. Let me take my wives and children, for I have earned them by serving you, and let me be on my way. You certainly know how hard I have worked for you. Please listen to me, Laban replied. I have become wealthy, for the Lord has blessed me because of you. Tell me how much I owe you. Whatever it is, I'll pay it. Jacob replied, You know how hard I have worked for you, how your flocks and herds have grown under my care. You had little indeed before I came, but your wealth has increased enormously. The Lord blessed you through everything I have done. Let's just pause here because I think that's a very beautiful uh, gospel verse. Let me reread verse 30. 
You had little before I came, but your wealth has increased enormously. The Lord has blessed you through everything I've done. So Jacob is saying to Laban, um, you've been blessed because of what I have done. And it's hard for me to read that verse and not think of Jesus, who has blessed me uh, and anybody else who's trusted in him immensely, not based upon what we have done, but based totally and wholly upon what he has done. And what is that wealth we've been given through Jesus? Well, number one, we've been saved from having to pay the penalty of our sins. We deserve death, but we're giving getting eternal life because of what Jesus did. Number two, we've been given the Spirit to give us power to live this life of mission and sanctification as we become more like Jesus. What a wonderful gift that is. And ultimately, we have a hope as we look forward to the culmination of the gift in which Jesus comes back and fully redeems his kingdom, and there is no more sin at all. There's no presence of sin. There is no death, there's no sadness, there's no tears, there's just pure and total joy as we walk in communion with God, just as we did at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. That's all because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. So we see that here in verse 30. Continuing on. But now, what about me? This is Jacob speaking. When can I start providing for my own family? In other words, he's been working for Laban this whole time, uh, 14 years, to get both of his daughters And all that work has been work that is helping Laban, but none of it is actually helping Jacob himself. And so he's saying, now it's time for me to begin to work for myself. Verse 31, what wages do you want? Laban asked again. Jacob replied, don't give me anything. Just do this one thing, and I'll continue to tend and watch over your flocks. Let me inspect your flocks today and remove all the sheep and goats that are speckled or spotted, along with all the black sheep. Give these to me as my wages. In the future, when you check on the animals you have given me as my wages, you'll see that I have been honest. If you find in my flocks any goats without speckles or spots or any sheep that are not black, you will know that I have stolen them from you. All right, Laban replied. It will be as you say. But that very day, Laban went out and removed the male goats that were streaked and spotted. All the female goats that were speckled and spotted or had white patches and all the black sheep. He placed them there in the care of his own sons, who took them a three days' journey from where Jacob was. Meanwhile, Jacob stayed and cared for the rest of Laban's flock. Then Jacob took some fresh branches from poplar, almond, and plane trees and peeled off strips of bark, making white streaks on them. Then he placed these peeled branches in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink, for that was where they made it. And when they made it in front of the white streaked branches, they gave birth to young that were streaked, speckled, and spotted. Jacob separated those lambs from Laban's flock, and at the mating time he turned the flock to face Laban's animals that were streaked or black. This is how he built his own flock instead of increasing Laban's. Really interesting couple of verses there uh, as we see Laban says, okay, you can have these certain colored of sheep. Uh, And then Laban, being very slimy, takes out all of those sheep, and yet God still provides for Jacob. And when the animals just mate near branches, Uh, that look a certain way. They actually produce sheep that look a certain way. Very interesting. Verse 41. Whenever the stronger females were ready to mate, Jacob would place the peeled branches in the watering troughs in front of them. Then they would mate in front of the branches. But he didn't do this with the weaker ones. So the weaker lambs belonged to Laban, and the stronger ones were Jacob's. As a result, Jacob became very wealthy with large flocks of sheep and goats, female and male servants, and many camels and donkeys. Chapter 31. But Jacob soon learned that Laban's sons were grumbling about him. Jacob has robbed our father of everything, they said. He has gained all his wealth at our father's expense. 
which is just not true, right? Like he, he's worked 14 years for their father. He's just now beginning to build his own wealth. Uh, but these uh, spoiled kids are like, no, nah, Jacob's taking what is supposed to be ours. Verse 2, And Jacob began to notice a change in Laban's attitude toward him. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your father and grandfather, and to your relatives there, and I will be with you. So Jacob called Rachel and Leah out to the field where he was watching his flock. He said to them, I have noticed that your father's attitude toward me has changed, but the God of my father has been with me. You know how hard I have worked for your father, but he has cheated me, changing my wages ten times. But God has not allowed him to do me any harm. For if he said the speckled young animals will be your wages, the whole flock began to produce speckled young. And when he changed his mind and said the striped animals will be your wages, then the whole flock produced striped young. In this way, God has taken your father's animals and given them to me. One time during the mating season, I had a dream and saw that the male goats mating with the female goats were streaked, speckled, and spotted. Then in my dream, the angel of God said to me, Jacob, and I replied, yes, here I am. The angel said, look up, and you will see that only the streaked, speckled, and spotted males are mating with the females of your flock. For I have seen how Laban has treated you. I am the Lord who appeared to you at Bethel, the place where you have anointed the pillar of stone and made your vow to me. Now get ready and leave this country and return to the land of your birth. Rachel and Leah responded, That's fine with us. We won't inherit any of our father's wealth anyway. He has reduced our rights to those of foreign women. And after he sold us, he wasted the money you paid him for us. All the wealth God has given you from our father legally belongs to us and our children. So go ahead and do whatever God has told you. Wow. Verses 14 and 15 are really sad. Um, they, uh, they see that their father really hasn't cared for them anyways. That, um, you know, Jacob says, we got to go. And they said, no, it's fine with us. We're not going to get any of it anyways. And, you know, he, he sold us like we were foreign women. And with that money, uh, he, he has wasted it. And so, you know, let's go. All the wealth belongs to us. We, we, need to, we need to follow God and do what he says anyways. Very interesting. That concludes our Old Testament reading for the day. We will now be reading out of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 23. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also called Peter. Then Andrew, Peter's brother. James, the son of Zebedee. John, James' brother. Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Jesus sent out the twelve apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Don't take any money in your money belts, no gold, silver, or even copper coins, don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals, or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality, because those who work deserve to be fed. Let's pause here. Jesus is sending these disciples out, and what is he asking them to do? He's asking them to completely and totally trust in God to be their provision. Really cool how this aligns with our Old Testament reading today, as we see Jacob was working, and um, even as people tried to pursue evil against him, God provided for him. And then now in the New Testament, we see Jesus sending out his disciples, and he's saying, you don't need to take any money, you don't need to take a bag, you don't need a walking stick. Uh, what's going to happen is along the way, people are going to give you hospitality, and you accept that hospitality. You eat those meals, you take what they give you, because that is the way in which I'm going to provide for you. 
and then he sends them off, and they have to trust in him. Really interesting. Verse 11, whenever you enter a city or village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it is not, take back the blessing. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. And I find that verse really interesting for me because uh, oftentimes when somebody rejects the message of the gospel, um, I don't just shake the dust off my feet and leave. Uh, I try even harder. And I tend to spend a lot of time on people who um, I think this scripture would tell me they don't need to be convinced. I don't need to go after the unconvincible. I need to be um, going after those who already have a heart towards the gospel, who um, are open to the gospel. Really interesting. Verse 16. I keep saying really interesting, but I just I, I truly find um, a lot of this scripture fascinating, and um, it's, it's been a good reminder for me today. Verse 16, Look, I'm sending you out a sheep among wolves, so be shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. What a wonderful verse. We ought to be snake birds. Shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. But beware, this is verse 17, For you will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. And I want to pause here because it's important to remember that this verse isn't um, written specifically to us in the sense that when Jesus was saying this, he was talking to his original 12 disciples, the one he's sending out. So when he says that you will be handed over to the courts and flogged by whips and synagogues and stand before governors and kings, he, he's not being metaphorical. He, he's being literal. All of these guys would eventually stand before kings and governors. All of them would have to testify for their faith and uh, I love what God gives them. He says, don't worry, because in the right time, again, I'm going to provide for you with food and the things of life that you need, but I'm also going to provide with you with words. As you face persecution, when you don't know what to do or what to say, you don't have to worry because I will provide for you in the right time, the right words, and the right actions to take. And I, I just find that really interesting. Um, and, and, and I love how um, God would say, you know, these things that other people would say, um, that, that's the opposite of a blessing. In fact, we, we pray for the opposite often in our country. Well, we want more religious freedom, and we, we want people to be more accepting of our faith. And, and I do think that those are blessings we should pray for. But what's interesting here is Jesus is saying, even if that's not what happens, use the opportunity to stand before governors and kings as an opportunity to tell them about me which is amazing. Like, that's literally what it says, verse 18. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. Most of us wouldn't see that as an opportunity. But when you believe in Jesus, you believe in the gospel, your whole life is, as Paul would say, to live as Christ and to die as gain. That the worst thing this world can do is kill you. And while you're living, you have this immense purpose to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, even if you're standing before the rulers and the kings of this world. Verse 21. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child, and children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all nations will hate you because you are my followers, but everyone who endures to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one town, flee to the next. I tell you the truth, 
the Son of Man will return before you have reached all the towns of Israel. Moving on to our proverb of the day, we'll be in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. And moving on to our psalm, we'll be in the 12th psalm today. Uh, I will, as always, read through this in a posture of prayer, and I would encourage you today to go back and do the same in your own devotional time. For the choir director, a psalm of David to be accompanied by an eight-stringed instrument, which I don't have one of those, so you're just going to have to deal with my voice. Verse 1, Help, O Lord, for the godly are fast disappearing. The faithful have vanished from the earth. Lord, um, this first verse, as David writes, is, is oddly comforting to me. Uh, because I, I know that the more things change, the more they stay the same. I, I so often hear people, and I so often sometimes think myself, where are the godly people? They are disappearing. And yet I read this text from thousands of years ago, and David was experiencing the same thing. It, it's encouraging to me because I see that you have always kept a remnant, a small number of people for yourself. And Lord, although it may appear like things are out of control, you know exactly what you are doing. And Lord, we do ask that you would raise up a godly generation. May there be a revival of people who don't just say they believe in the gospel, but people who are truly transformed by the good news and begin to live in light of it. Lord, allow us to be a part of this gospel. Show us where we, um, Lord, need to be led by the Spirit so that this might happen, because we know that the only way a revival uh, of people coming to you would ever take place is if your Spirit was involved. Verse 2. Neighbors lie to each other, speaking with flattering lips and deceitful hearts. May the Lord cut off their flattering lips and silence their boastful tongues. They say, we will lie to our heart's content. Our lips are our own. Who can stop us? Oh God, I am guilty of verse 4 in the sense that I sometimes, um, although I might not say it out loud, I truly believe that I am the God of my own life, that I can lie and lust and cheat and be greedy and angry and arrogant as much as I want, because who can stop me? Uh, Lord, and when I act that way, I am forgetting uh, that I am not God, that I must submit to your authority, that I uh, must stand before a just and good God, and that I am just but dust. I will one day be blown away as the chaff is blown away in the wind, because I am a man. Lord, help me to remember that, and I would then humbly revere and submit to you as the God of this universe that you are. Verse 5, the Lord replies, I have seen violence done to the helpless, and I have heard the groans of the poor. Now I will rise up to rescue them as they long for me to do. Oh God, thank you that you see what is going on. You are not uh, a faraway God, but you are very intimately connected to what is going on. And, um, Lord, you are a defender of the poor, a defender of the weak, a defender of the helpless. Lord, that you stand up for those who need stood up for. Lord, as Christ's followers, I pray that we would, uh, on one hand, join you in that battle, standing up strong for those who are weak. And on the other hand, Lord, I pray that you would remind us that we are all weak, that we never actually get to be strong on our own, but we have to be the helpless poor people coming back to you over and over and over again for your grace and your goodness. Lord, we must rely on you and trust in you in all areas of life. Verse 6, the Lord's promises are pure, 
like silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times over. Therefore, Lord, we know you will protect the oppressed. Preserve them from this lying generation, even though the wicked strut about and evil is praised throughout the land. Yes, Lord, we know that you will rise up and your will will be completed. We pray that it is completed soon, but we know that it will be completed right in the time that you want it to be completed. Lord, we pray for the day. We long for the day in which your kingdom would come and be fully culminated. And yet, Lord, let us not forget that the only way we are not enemies of that kingdom um, is through the blood of Jesus, who would come and live the perfect life we could not live and die the death we deserve to die to rise again in a decisive resurrection as the first fruits of what is to come for us as believers who trust in Jesus. And not only that, but he shows us the way to live and he empowers us to do it. And Lord, you give us a hope for the future. Lord, I pray that we would trust in that today as we await for the day in which your kingdom comes and we will not be enemies of that kingdom, but we will be children of the Most High God in that kingdom, co-laboring alongside you, living in the grace and the love and the peace you have for us. Lord, we pray for that day to come soon. But Lord, we pray that you'd give us a passion for mission to uh, begin the restoration work and bringing people to the good news now with boldness uh, as we await that day in which it is fully culminated. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to thank you for listening to the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast today. Uh, whether you're doing that on iTunes or maybe you're watching on YouTube. That's right. Starting with day number 14, we're going to begin to upload these podcasts to YouTube as they are completed, Lord willing. Now, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can, um, number one, subscribe to the podcast and share the podcast with your friends so that other people can begin this process of reading the Bible together with us. And number two, you can support our church. Uh, I'm a pastor of Ascent Church in Woodward, Oklahoma, and because of Ascent, I am able to do things like this. Uh, You can support Ascent at myascent.churchcenter.com. And as always, I'd love for you to share your thoughts with me on today's reading. You can do that on Facebook or at my personal website, blakefarley.org. There's a tab for the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. Simply click on that and comment on one of the posts there. And I will do my best to engage with everybody there because I truly believe that the Bible comes to life when we read it in community. Well, we've made it through two weeks together, and I hope to see you back here tomorrow for day number 15 of the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast.